Hey, Woodlands Church, how are you doing? All right? You hanging in there? I'm telling you, you look great to me. I mean, after three months of preaching to an empty auditorium, you guys are amazing. And I appreciate you so much. And all of you at home, I appreciate you too. I mean, I just praise God for all of you who are connecting at our campuses, our physical locations, everyone connecting with us online. Doesn't matter where you are, from the woodlands to the world, we're one church built on the word of God and we connect together. And it's so exciting. I really believe God has a word for all of us today that'll change us for the rest of our lives. How many of you guys have... 2020 vision. How many of you have 2020 vision? Raise your hand. You can be proud about this. One person, that's great. Is, is anyone having trouble seeing me up here? Is that, uh, I used to have 2020 vision, but I don't anymore. Something happened along the way. It's called age, but I don't have it anymore. But it was great when I had 2020 vision. Everyone knows that 2020 vision means that you have really good eyesight and you have no need for contacts or glasses. And so as the year 2020 was approaching, many businesses, corporations, both large and small, they began to tie 2020, the year, into 2020 vision as a way to cast a new vision or to unveil a new strategic plan to their organization. It just made sense to attach the year 2020 with 2020 vision so everyone in the organization would remember what they were trying to get across so everyone would really understand and remember as they unveiled their plans for the coming year. In fact, I got our staff together, you know, months ago and we started talking about 2020 vision and what God wanted us to do in 2020 to pray about it, to seek God, and, and to, to really start developing God's plan that he would have for us, and we started working on it. But when 2020 hit, everyone's 2020 vision just went out the window. Our plans were all replaced by a pandemic. Now, I don't think anyone, any corporation, any business, put in their 2020 vision, face the worst pandemic in 100 years, close down our business for three months and send everybody home. And beware of the murder hornets, don't forget that. I mean, I don't think any business in unveiling their 2020 vision envisioned what 2020 would really be like. You see, as human beings, we have this limited vision. We start just seeing what's right in front of us. In fact, we sort of get stuck in our vision that's right in front of us. All we can see sometimes is the problems and pain that we're in. And we make our little plans and sometimes we can't see anything else but our little plan. And then something comes into our lives and it blows away our little plan. And then usually, stubbornly, we try to stick to our little plan. But whenever God allows something to come into your life that blows away your plan, it's because he has a better plan in mind for you. And we've said that in this series, Better Than Normal, 
Whenever God takes you to worse than normal, it's so you'll never go back to normal again. Whenever God takes you to worse than normal, he wants to take you to a place that's better than normal, a place that you've never been before. And I believe with all my heart, that's what 2020 vision is all about. God wanting to take you to a place that you've never been before in your life, in your character, in your perspective, which changes everything. We just can't see it at the time. It's so hard for us as human beings to have a God-level perspective or just a glimpse of a God-level perspective. But today, we're gonna look at a guy in the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah, who got a glimpse of God, and it changed everything. He began to see life from God's perspective just a little bit, and it changed the vision for his whole life. It changed his vision, his plan, his purpose, and it changed him from the inside out. And so I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah. As Isaiah talks about God's perspective, so would you stand in honor of God's word? All you guys that are at Tascacita campus here in the Woodlands campus, and, and if you're at home, I know we have people all over the world right now connecting with us and worshiping with us at home. Um, would you just stand? And the reason we do that is not because God commands us to stand whenever the the word is read, I just wanna remind you, just a little reminder that it's not my preaching or my stories that change a life, it's God's word. Our church is built on God's word, it's the only thing that can change your life. And so when we stand, it just reminds us that, hey, God's word is powerful. God's word is active and God's word makes a difference. So just follow along with me as in Isaiah 40, verse 21, Isaiah asks you a question. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. Dear God, I thank you that your perspective is so much higher than we could ever fathom. But Lord, you are so close right now to us too. You're so close and you wanna do something in our lives that's so personal and yet so powerful. And how we need that, Lord, we need that in our nation. We need that in our families. We need that in our lives. And so Lord, I pray that you would just begin a change process in us today that we'll look back and we'll say that was the day. That was the day that God got a hold of my heart and he opened my eyes to see the new vision that he had for me. I looked past my problems, I looked past the circumstances and I saw it, the vision for my life. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Isaiah is saying here, God has a higher perspective than we could ever fathom. Even the most powerful, the most influential, and the wealthiest people on this earth, when God looks at them, he sees them as weak and as small as grasshoppers. From God's perspective, everything gets really small. And if I can get a little bit of God's perspective, then my problems get real small because I see how big and great God is. 
See, God's perspective is so much greater than anything we could ever fathom. God sees it all. God sees the darkest corner of the cosmos. Nothing is hidden from his sight. He sees every motive of every action of every person on this earth right now. God sees it all. I can't hide anything from God. He sees everything in my life, the good, bad, and the ugly. He sees it all. God is all seeing and God is all knowing. God knows everything about everything and everyone who's ever lived. God sees it all, God knows it all, and God is all powerful. He holds the galaxies in place. He created it all. He created it all. It was created by him and created all for him. God holds it all together, and because he created it all, he owns it all. He owns every particle in our unsearchable universe, even our little blue planet. From the skies above to the depths below, God owns every bit of it. He has no needs. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the hills those cattle are upon. God owns it all. He knows it all. He sees it all. Yeah, God's all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful, but he's ever-present. He is ever-present. He, he's not limited by time and space. He's in the past, present, and future all at the same time. And he's closer than you could ever comprehend. See, God is greater and more powerful than I could ever fathom, but yet he's closer than I can ever comprehend. Theologians call this God's transcendence and God's eminence. That God is so great and powerful we could never understand him. God is so great and powerful he transcends all of our knowledge. He transcends all of the universe, and yet... He's imminent, he's close. And so right now, I just want you to know God is right there. He's so close to you right now. He's just right there. The Bible says he's close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. If your heart is breaking, if your heart is burdened, if your heart is crushed right now, he's closer to you than he's ever been. You see, that's the amazing thing about God. He's so great, so powerful, so perfect. And yet, he's so personal. He's right here with us right now. If you're a Christ follower, he lives in you right now. When my son Stephen was 14 years old, he was having trouble seeing the chalkboard in class. And so we took him to the optometrist and they determined he needed glasses pretty bad. And so he was fitted with his new pair of glasses and on his first day wearing his glasses at school, he came home and I said, well, Stephen, how'd it go today? Were you able to see the chalkboard? And he said, even better, the whole world's in HD now. And I really believe that most of us walk around in our lives with blurred vision, with no clear vision of what God wants us to do and we can't see our problems, we can't see our circumstances in a clear light because everything is blurry. And we don't have a God-level vision, we have a ground-level vision. And so our problems look huge, and they overwhelm us. When God wants us to get a clear vision of who he is and what he wants to do in our lives, and that's what happened with Isaiah. He got a clear vision of who God is, and it changed his perspective because he got a little bit of God's perspective. 
And when you get a little of God's perspective, it changes your purpose. It changes everything in your life. And so I want us to see three simple but really profound things if I'm gonna get God's perspective, which changes my vision. We're just gonna hit on these three really powerful steps that God wants us to take that Isaiah took because he got God's vision for his life. But first, I want us to talk about vision. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. He's saying, if you don't have a clear vision for your life, your passion will eventually perish. If you don't have a clear vision for your marriage, your love will eventually die. If you don't have a clear vision for your business, then your business will eventually fall by the wayside and be left behind. Vision is seeing not what is, but what can be. And vision is the life preserver of a great business. It's the love preserver of a great marriage. It's the driving force behind a great life. Because vision gives meaning to the mundane. Vision gives meaning to the otherwise meaningless details of our lives. Andy Stanley in his book Visioneering says, vision is the difference between filling bags with dirt and building a barrier to save a town from floodwaters. There's nothing glamorous about filling bags with dirt, but saving a city, that's another matter altogether. Saving a town, it gives meaning to filling bags with dirt. Vision gives meaning to the mundane. If you're a parent of a preschool, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, changing a diaper, picking up toys, cleaning up messes, that doesn't feel very influential, does it? That doesn't feel very meaningful when you're cleaning up a mess, but then you remember the big vision. And the vision is you're building a child. You're raising up the next generation. And it changes everything. It gives meaning to cleaning up a mess. It gives meaning to the details of your life. And vision gives motivation. Show me someone who lacks motivation, I'll show you someone who has no clear vision for their life. Vision gives you motivation and passion to keep on going when you feel like giving up. Because you have a vision out there that you're moving toward. Vision is seeing not what is, but what can be. And God always looks at you and he sees what you can be, what he has for you, his purpose for your life. And so he wants to give us that vision. But how does it happen? First, it always starts with a divine perspective. Isaiah gets a powerful vision for his life, but it started with a divine perspective. First on who God is. In Isaiah 6, verse one through five, he says, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Think about that first phrase, I saw the Lord. When you see the Lord, all you can really do is what Isaiah did. 
See, Isaiah has this full-on, clear vision of who God is, and he's overwhelmed by God's holiness. He sees how perfect and pure and powerful God is, and all he can do is just fall down and cry out to God because he sees what a mess he is in comparison. Everything comes clear. He's getting a true perspective now. He's getting a true perspective of his own life. And all he can do face to face with God is fall on his face and say, I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. You see, Isaiah, I'm sure he thought he was a pretty good guy. I mean, compared to everyone else around him, he he was a pretty good guy. He was doing a lot of the right things. He, He was okay, he was a pretty good guy. But he was comparing himself to the wrong one. He was comparing himself to the crowd instead of to Christ. He was comparing himself to the people around him rather than the audience of one. And when he got a clear vision of perfect, holy God, all he could do is say, I'm a liar, I'm a luster, you know, I'm full of pride, I'm selfish, I need to change. Forgive me. You see, when I get a, a, just a, a little bit of a vision of how great and holy and perfect and powerful God is, I wanna say, God, I'm unclean. I need your forgiveness. I'm broken. I'm a mess. I'm a mess and I need a miracle, the miracle of your forgiveness. And here's something really interesting. You'll never really feel and experience the great love of God until you experience his holiness. Until you experience his holiness and you realize how much you need to be forgiven. And when you begin to realize how much you need to be forgiven, then you realize how much God loves you, that he loves you so much. And then you realize why he had to sacrifice his one and only son so that you could be in relationship with him again. When I realize just a little bit of how holy and perfect God is, and how pure and perfect he is and how he cannot tolerate sin and because of the devastation sin causes, then I realize how much he loves me. He loves me in the middle of my mess. And then I can begin to experience God's love, but when I try to act like I'm a pretty good person, I deserve God's love, I don't feel God's love. I don't experience God's love. You can't experience the depth of God's love until you experience the depth of your sins and you feel it. And the only way you can do that is, God, search my heart and show me. I'm gonna come face to face with you and I want you to speak to me and show me the sins in my life. Show me the areas of my heart that are broken and a, a mess that I need your forgiveness for. Otherwise, we can walk around and act like we're okay because we compare ourselves to everyone else instead of asking God to search us and to know us. You see, the first thing that happens is he gets a true perspective of who God is. You see, light is who God is. He's the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. And there's something about light that's so amazing that light illuminates, it gives you vision, you can see. It takes away the dark places so that you can see where to go so you don't stumble around in the dark. And so when you have God's light in your life, you have vision. And you can see things other people can't see. 
that you can make decisions that other people don't even think about because you have the light of Christ in your life and he is a light unto your path. But there's something else about light that happens right off. Light exposes. Light exposes. Have you ever been painting a wall in your house? You know, you're painting a room and then you think, man, I got it all covered, it's all good. And then all of a sudden you bring a light in, you see you've missed 10 places. And then it's been smeared in different places. And you're like, wow, there are all kinds of mistakes and flaws. How many of you want me to shine a spotlight on you right now, a really bright spotlight? No, uh-uh. No, I don't like it when it's shining on me. And so, but light exposes us, doesn't it? That's why when you try on clothes in the department store, they always have these lights that are all dim and, you know, and just make you look as best as you can look. And I think the mirrors just make you look slimmer too. They probably got them from the fun house or something, you know, to make you look slimmer. I don't, I don't know. But, but there's something about, you know, that light that exposes us. And so that's what happens first when you first meet God, when, when you first get serious with God. And, and then when you come back to him in seriousness as a Christ follower, first thing that happens is the light exposes. And it's uncomfortable. If I shined a spotlight on you right now, that'd be uncomfortable. It, it, light exposes. It makes us feel uncomfortable. But then we have a choice. We can run out of the light and run away from the light and get away from the light because it makes us uncomfortable and it exposes us and try to pretend like we've got it all together or we can walk into the light and that's when you experience the warmth of light because light warms, light illuminates. But first it exposes. And so Isaiah was there, his sins, his lies, his lust, his selfishness, his pride, it was all just laid bare. But God brings forgiveness. So the first thing I need is a true perspective on who God is, and then I'll get a true perspective on who I am in him. You see in Isaiah 6, 6, one of my favorite passages in the Bible, it says, then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. So Isaiah gets this vision of who God is. He sees what a mess he is and he cries out for forgiveness and grace. He needs to be cleansed, so God sends this angel to take a hot coal out of the altar, and he takes that hot coal over and touches Isaiah's mouth, and what a powerful symbol of God's forgiveness and cleansing. And really, that coal is a symbol of the coming Christ that would come to take away the sins of the world. And God says, I've totally cleansed you. You're totally forgiven have no more shame, no more guilt. It's been taken away. I've done that for you. But God not only says, I've cleansed you and forgiven you, he also says, I've chosen you. I've chosen you for a great purpose, Isaiah. And I love that Isaiah doesn't stay in his mess. He steps into the miracle. He doesn't stay in his mess and say, but Lord, I mean, you know, you know me now. You know all the sins in my life and you know all of my mess ups. You know all my brokenness. You know me now. Hey, choose someone else. 
No, he steps up and says, here am I, send me. You see, he doesn't stay in the mess. He steps into the miracle of who God says he is. God says, you're my chosen one now. You're forgiven. Your guilt is gone. Are you gonna believe me or not? You're forgiven. You're my child. God says, Isaiah, you're a child of the king. And what does he do? He believes it, and he steps into it and says, send me because I'm your child. I'm righteous. I'm forgiven. You've chosen me for a purpose. He doesn't stay in his mess. He steps into the miracle. And a lot of times as Christ followers, we kind of walk around with our heads down, and it's like, oh, I'm just a sinner. You know, I'm so broken and so sinful, so can't really do much for the Lord. And we think that's humility, but that's a false humility. Because God says, once you confess those sins, and you come to me and confess those sins, I forgive you. And if you're a Christ follower, you're a child of the king. So Christ follower, hold your head up high. That's your true identity. We have an identity thief that's out there. His name is Satan, and he tries to steal our true identity. What we need as Christ followers is to understand our true identity, who we are in Christ. The Bible says if you're a Christ follower, you're not an old sinner. You're a saint that sometimes sins. It's a big difference. You're not just an old sinner who can't do anything and God can't use you. You're a righteous child of God. You are loved completely. You're a child of the King. You are righteous in Christ. We need to know who we are in Christ because if you forget who you are, you will never find your purpose. If you forget who you are, you will never see clearly your vision. We have to remember who God is and then we will know who we are. You say, but Carrie, I mean, I feel like a failure right now. You know, my business has failed or maybe your business is failing. Maybe had a failure in a relationship. Maybe you've had some financial failures. You just feel like a failure right now. And I wanna say that's what's happened to you, but that's not who you are. If you're a Christ follower, don't let your failures define you because that's what happened to you, but that's not who you are. You're a child of the king. Hold your head up high, Christ follower. Hold your head up high. You don't have to live in shame anymore. You say, well, Carrie, I mean, I've got all kinds of sins that I'm struggling with. Maybe you have an addiction that you've been struggling with and... And I want you to know your addiction is not your identity. If you're a Christ follower, that sin is not your identity. Yes, that's what you've done, but that's not who you are in Jesus Christ. You go to the Lord for forgiveness and you step out of the mess into the miracle of who you are. Until you realize who you are, you'll never live your purpose. You gotta know who you are. And that changes everything when you know who you are. Don't let your past define you. Don't let your past pain and your past hurt. Someone wounded you in the past. Yes, they did that to you. Yes, it wasn't right. Yes, it wasn't fair. But that's not who you are. You're a child of the Almighty King. You're victorious in Jesus Christ. You step into that. Hold your head up high, Christ follower. Because you're a child of the king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Hold your head up high. You don't have to walk around 
in shame. Know who you are. Don't let the identity thief steal your identity, your true identity. And, and I truly believe this with all my heart until we Christ followers in churches across this nation see ourselves first and foremost as children of the king, as we see our first and foremost identity, our most important identity is a Christ follower, a child of the king, then we'll be able to look past the color of our skin and see Christ. We'll see what's on the inside, what's important, all that matters. Hey, here's the thing. You may identify as a, a Democrat or a Republican or an Independent, and that's fine and good, but until you identify first and foremost as a Jesus follower, we're never gonna bridge the divides in our nation because Jesus Christ is the only one who can. Jesus Christ, we lift up Jesus Christ, he's the answer. Jesus Christ is the one that can end injustice. Jesus Christ is the one that can bring people together. Jesus Christ is the one that can heal families and heal communities and heal our nation. When we first and foremost say, I'm a Jesus follower, are you? Praise God. You know, we're family. You're my brother, you're my sister. That's what it's all about. And I'm telling you, it's up to the church the body of Christ to take that stand. It's up to the church to reach out. I think it's really important. We all come from different perspectives on this earth. And if you don't listen to anyone from another perspective, uh, then that's just pride. That's why I said last week, whatever your race, whatever your ethnicity, then what you need to do is you need to meet with someone this week, a Christ follower who's different race, different color than you, and sit down and go, hey, tell me about your experience. If you don't wanna learn, don't wanna listen, then that's pride. Because we're all Christ followers. That's what it's all about. We love Jesus Christ. If you love Jesus Christ, we're on the same team. But we come from different perspectives, that's great, but there's only one ultimate true perspective, and that's Jesus Christ. That's Jesus Christ, God-level perspective, seeing that I'm a sinner without him, but I have him. So I'm a saint who sometimes sins. I'm a child of the king, the almighty king of kings and lord of lords. Well, Isaiah gets this picture, and it becomes his true identity but then I want you to see that this life vision flows from rightly aligned priorities. In Isaiah 40, 31, he says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Soar on wings like eagles. I love that because eagles soar effortlessly. And the reason they do is they get caught up in the thermals, those warm currents that spiral up and they don't have to flap their wings, it just takes them up. Well, the thermals in life are our priorities that take us higher. Because when my priorities are out of line, then I lose my power. God's power flows through priorities. And for me, and for every Christ follower, God comes first, Jesus Christ comes first. That's our first priority, but then it's my family. Then my family, then the church, 
and then the world. It's as simple as that, but when I get those out of line in any way, I lose my power because power flows through priorities. If I put my family over God, then I'm not really a good husband, dad, granddad, because I need God's power to do that. If I put the church over my family, then I lose God's power and authority in the church. So I'm not being the husband that I'm called to be. And see, here, here's the thing. Many pastors think that the church and God are the exact same thing, but they're not. We put God first, but then family. And Chris and I decided when we started Woodland Church that we're gonna put our family before the church. And that we're gonna make sure that that's priority because that's our first ministry. And I'm just telling you, parents, if you have children, that's your first vision and ministry right there over anything else you can do in this world. I know people who are trying to do something great in the world, but they don't do anything great in their family. Skip over their family to make a difference in the world. And here's another thing. I'm not gonna skip over Woodland Church to make a difference in this world. I know a lot of pastors who are never at their church. They're always out doing something, making a huge difference in the world, and that's great and fine. But everything that God's ever done through Chris and I to make a difference in this world has come through you, Woodland Church, because God's power flows through priorities. And if my priorities are what God has called me to do, then his power is gonna flow through me. And that's why God's using you to change the world, Woodland Church, because it comes to the body of Christ. And so God's power flows through priorities. But I want you to see the last thing. A life vision has an eternal power. A true life vision has staying power. A selfish vision will die with you, but a true life vision will echo into eternity. When Jesus died, rose again, and ascended to heaven, the last thing he said on the Mount of Olives to his disciples, he says, here's the plan. Here's the plan, guys. I'm gonna go back to heaven, but I'm gonna send you my Holy Spirit to live inside you, and you're gonna be my body. You're gonna be my hands. You're gonna be my feet. You're gonna be my voice to go to the hurting, to bring healing to those who are hurting, to bring the good news of salvation, to bind up the brokenhearted. You're gonna go, and, and so that's the plan to change and to save this world. The hope for the world is you, the church, the body of Christ, me living through you. And then he ascended. Well, what's plan B? Because that hasn't worked very well a lot of times. Is there a plan B that, you know, for hope for the world? Is it, does it have to be that? Yes, that's it. Jesus said there's only one plan, plan A, and that's it. There's no plan B. The world has no hope without the church, the body of Christ, being the hope of the world. With us being his hands and his feet and his voice to bring healing to our hurting world, that's the only hope right there. And when you align yourself with the body of Christ, then you're doing something that's gonna last forever. When Jesus walked this earth, there was a time that he went into the temple and they asked him to read from the scriptures, the Torah. And whenever you would read from the scriptures on that Saturday, that Sabbath, you would always read where the last reader had left off. The last rabbi, the last teacher had left off. And so there was a place, they would just have these readings every week and you would just pick up where it was. But Jesus 
planned his reading before he created the world. And so when he got up in the temple that day and he opened up the Torah, it was opened up to this place right here, Isaiah 61, one through four. And he read it and he said, today, this passage has been fulfilled because this is my purpose on this earth. And we're to follow Christ's purpose, so here's your purpose on this earth. Here's your vision. Isaiah 61, one. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. That's what God calls you to. That's what God calls me to. We're to proclaim the good news to those who are bankrupt in their spirit. We're to preach the good news of salvation. Then we're to bind up the brokenhearted, those who are hurting and broken. We're to be hands and feet, not just words, but actions. We're to proclaim freedom for those who are held captive in their sins. We're to release from darkness the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I love that. Focus in on that. The year of the Lord's favor. Could it be that 2020 is the year of the Lord's favor? Could it be? Yes. I believe with all my heart, the identity of 2020 in God's eyes is the year of his favor upon your life, your family, this church, our city, our nation. You go, how, how can that be? There's so much that's wrong with this pandemic and all the things that are happening right now in our nation, all the division, injustice, division, hurt. How can it be? How can it be? God has a higher plan. He always does. Don't get caught up in what's right in front of you. Just follow the one who's in front of you, Jesus Christ. Because I believe with all my heart, this is not the year of the coronavirus. This is the year of the Lord's favor. I believe with all my heart, this is not the year of recession. This is the year of the Lord's favor. I believe with all my heart, this is not the year where racial injustice will have the last word. This is the year of the Lord's favor. I believe with all my heart, this is not the year of Antifa. This is not the year of white supremacists. This is the year of the Lord's favor. This is the year of the Lord's favor, but we gotta see it, and we gotta step into it. This is not the year of a divisive political campaign and a divided nation. That's just the reality on the ground. So we have a really divisive political campaign. There's gonna be a lot of really divisive things in our nation coming up, but that's not gonna win the day. This is the year of the Lord Jesus' favor in your life, in your family, and in our nation. That's where we stand, that's what we claim, that's where we live, because that is the truth. That is the truth. 
And I believe with all my heart, God is doing something amazing. He's doing something amazing. It's not always what you can see, it's what you can't see. He's doing something amazing. He's bringing revival. He's bringing revival. But it always starts in the heart. It started with Isaiah and it brought revival to the nation. Will it start with you? Will it start with me? It starts with perspective. It starts with perspective. 2020, vision. 2020, the year of the Lord's favor. Do you believe it? I believe it with all my heart. I believe it's the year of the Lord's favor in your life. Do you believe it? Do I believe that all your problems will be gone tomorrow? No. It may be one of the most painful years in your life, but it's the year of the Lord's favor because he has something good coming. He has a plan. He has a purpose. But we've got to see it. We've got to have a perspective. We've got to see how big and great God is. Then our problems get real small. Let's pray together. If you're worshiping with us online or you're here at the Woodlands campus or Itascacita campus and you've never received Christ, but you've sort of got a glimpse of God today. He spoke to your heart. And you know that you're a mess and you need his miracle. Just pray this prayer silently to God. Wherever you are, maybe you're at home, just pray this prayer, repeat it after me. Dear Jesus Christ, I need you. I'm a mess. I I need you to forgive me of all my sins. I'm in the same boat with everyone else. I'm a sinner and I need you, my savior. Come into my life with your Holy Spirit and change me from the inside out. I want your vision from now on. I wanna follow you. I accept your free gift of heaven and salvation and forgiveness. Thank you and thank you for choosing me for a purpose. And then Lord, I just pray for every one of us who are Christ followers that you would help us remember who we are. Sometimes Lord, we forget who you are and therefore we forget who we are. We forget how great and amazing and powerful you are, how holy you are and how much we've been forgiven and how much you love us and who you've made us to be. Lord, I thank you that we're children of yours, a child of the King of Kings and we can hold our heads up high We thank you, Lord. And as we hold our heads up high, Lord Jesus, help us be humble enough to go wherever you call us to go. Lord, to bring healing, to realize, Lord Jesus, that the only purpose we have is to follow you and bring healing, to be you to people in our lives. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, Woodlands Church, now we're at the part of our service where we give back to God. We worship through our our singing, through our Bible teaching, through our giving. And as we give, it's an opportunity for you to worship the Lord and put him first. And I encourage you, you can go online, wc.org, and you can set up recurrent giving and you can be faithful in your giving. That's what Chris and I do. And the reason we do that is so that uh, it's just automatic with our tithe. And then we give above our tithe, we give offerings, And we do that periodically as God lays it on our hearts and he does that often. But but our tithe just comes straight out because we don't want to steal from God. And and also we want to make sure that God is more important than any bill. God's more important than a mortgage payment. God's more important than anything. And so that comes first. And so 
when you do that, it just makes a really powerful statement. So I encourage you, if you haven't set up online giving, do that, wc.org slash give. Or if you're at our campuses, you can give in one of the generosity boxes on your way out. We don't pass the offering basket. Um, we're trying to be as safe as possible. Um, but also you can give WC, or you can text give WC, one word, give WC to 77977 on your smartphone. And you can set up the same electronic giving right there on your smartphone. Just text give WC to 77977. Or you can mail it in to One Fellowship Drive, the Woodlands, Texas, 77384. And however you give, the main thing is give. We can't all give the same amount, but we can all give. We can all give something. We can all give something. And some of you have been really blessed. A few of you have been really blessed. Somehow, even during this time. And I just really challenge you to give, a sacrificial gift, if you're able to do that, for God's glory. Because we're reaching out more than ever. And one of the things we found is that where God guides, God provides. He always guides first, and you got to step in faith, but then he provides. Have you found that in your life? All the way through Woodland Church, that's the way it's been. We're going to keep stepping out in faith, to keep stepping out in faith, to keep serving and to keep giving. And I'll tell you what makes all the difference. The reason why we have so many people volunteering to serve and to feed the hungry, the homeless, and the hurting, and to meet needs of people that are hurting during this time, the reason we have people doing that, because they know they're not just serving meals. They know they're being Jesus to people. They know the vision of the church is to help people experience Jesus rather than man's creation of religion. And so they're being Jesus to people. Why do we stand out in the parking lot and our transit ministry out there, smiles and, well, you can't see their smile because they're masked, but they're smiling. And they're holding signs and they're directing traffic even when it's 100 degrees outside, they do it. When it's raining and the cold, they do it. Why do they do it? Because they're not directing traffic. They're being Jesus to people saying, you're welcome here. You're welcome here. Doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, you're welcome here. Jesus loves you. That's what they're doing. That gives motivation. Vision gives motivation and meaning. And so do you have God's vision? As we give to the Lord, one of the things we've been doing is really cool is we've been blessing you in Jesus' name. And we wanna keep doing that. We're gonna do that with a song, The Blessing, right now. And so would you stand, Woodland Church, and this will be our closing as we sing to the Lord because there is this blessing in Numbers 24, the book of Numbers 24, where God commands Moses to tell Aaron, the high priest, to speak this specific blessing over the people of Israel. And, he, and God says, when you speak this blessing, as the priest, you speak this blessing then I will get involved and I'm gonna bless them. I'm gonna bless them. In the middle of all the burdens and pain, I'm gonna bring blessing to them. And so now you, if you're a Christ follower, are a priest. You can go directly to God through Jesus Christ. So now that line of Aaron, the holy priest, is now come to you and so you have authority to speak this blessing over your family, authority to speak this blessing over your neighbors. Chris and I, as we take walks around our neighborhood during this time, we've been praying and speaking this blessing. It's a powerful blessing, and we're gonna sing it right now. May the Lord bless you and keep you and protect you and make his face shine upon you. May God turn his face towards you and be gracious to you and give you his peace, Woodlands Church. We're gonna keep speaking that blessing over you because God gets involved and he works and he blesses. Let's sing it to the Lord. Let's sing it together. Let's sing it for our nation. Let's sing it for our community. Let's sing it 
for our families. Let's sing it for our hearts. Let's sing it to the Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you for a thousand generations. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.